The Marines are known as one of the toughest branches of the United States Armed Forces. Discipline is the word that would be most used to describe these men, but like the man in today's episode, they usually didn't start that way. So how can a man grow in discipline, but still not follow orders? That's what we'll find out. Let's jump in. Hello, friends. Welcome to the Unshackled Audio Drama Podcast, where we share the gospel of Jesus Christ through the art form of audio drama. (laughs) Yes, and that includes sound effects. I'm Timothy Gregory, bringing you the story of a man who started out a troublemaker and finally grew up in the Marines. Though as he learned to follow orders, there was one leader whose orders he just couldn't follow. We'll find out just who that was in today's Unshackled Audio Drama Podcast. Here it is, part one of the classic true story of Tim Lee. We're going to be late for class, Tim. Can't help that. It's too icy to go any faster. Yeah, I can feel the tires slipping back there. Here we go again. We're on the wrong side of the road, Tim. Do something. Wouldn't you know, the car just stalled. And I can't get it started. Here comes the semi! Oh, man, no! No! You were very fortunate, son. Think so? All I can say is, why me, Lord? You were driving too fast for the road conditions, Tim. That's what the cops said when they gave me a ticket. But it was an accident. You knew the roads were slippery. I just hit some black ice, that's all. Wasn't my day, I guess. It could have been worse. I'd like to know how. My car is probably totaled and my knee is all messed up. I won't be running for a while. You could have been killed, son. Then where would you be? The man in our story was 19 and full of himself. For years, he had been running away from those who loved him. This is the story of how and why he stopped running. It's the first part of the true testimony of Tim Lee from the classic files of Unshackled. I was born in McLeansboro, Illinois, a little town 85 miles southeast of St. Louis. My father pastored a small church, but he also roofed houses and drove a school bus to help support the family. I had an older sister, and I was the oldest of four boys. I was also the most strong-willed. J.R., you'll have to talk to Tim. Oh, what'd he do now? He disobeyed our rule about staying away from the road with the younger boys, and then he broke a window in the shed. He knows better than that. Oh, he's just strong-willed. We can't have that, Wanda. Is this the son we gave to God for the gospel when he was born? Spare the rod and spoil the child. I'll go cut a switch off the willow tree and take him to the smokehouse. Tim! Come here! Uh, not too much, J.R. He has to learn to obey. Chasten thy son while there is hope, and let not thy soul spare for his crying. This is going to hurt me a lot worse than it hurts you. Dad followed the teaching of Proverbs and training his children, so the only praying I did those days was for the willow tree to die. Daily, we had family devotions and Bible reading at home. 
So what does God say to that? In 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 to 17 say, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. That's it for today, boys. Let me hug you and pray. Oh, God, make my boys live for you always. Lord, make them do right and serve you and love you and do your will. When I was 10, I listened to one of Dad's sermons, and for the first time, I could see the fires of hell during the invitation. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But there will come a day when God's patience will end, for the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. The Bible says that the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, when you least expect. Don't be like the people of Noah's day. They waited too long, and the door was shut to salvation, shut forever. They died in the flood, and souls without Christ will die in the fires of hell. My friend, behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Don't wait another day, another moment. Be ready to greet him. Come forward now and put your faith in Christ and he will take you to heaven with him. Why did you come up here, Tim? I don't want to go to hell. Well, you won't have to if you put your trust in Jesus. Do you believe he died for your sins? Yes. Well, then you ask him to forgive your sins and come into your life and save you. Mom knelt with me, and my childlike prayer left me feeling great after that. I told everyone in the family I was saved. I went to Sunday school and memorized scripture. But early in my teenage years, I began to rebel against my parents' strict discipline. More a follower than a leader then, I slipped away from school at noon one day with two other friends. Come down here under the bridge where nobody can see us. See what I have? Cigarettes. Where'd you get them? Don't ask. Want to try smoking? Sure. Inhale like this. Here, preacher boy, go ahead. I was soon addicted to cigarettes. Gradually, I began to question everything my parents had taught us. Not God or the Bible, just parental standards of behavior, right and wrong. I did things behind my parents' back and snuck out of the house to run with wild boys in junior high. Where did you say you wanted to go tonight? Weren't you listening? Yes, but I want to be sure I heard you right. I want to go to the dance hall. The answer is no. But, Dad, everyone is going. No, son. Everyone is not going. Tell me one person who isn't. You're not going.
Confused and angry, my rebellion spread to all authority, even teachers at school. Fighting was also a big part of my activities, and I seldom lost a fight. I didn't dare talk back to Dad, but Mother took the brunt of my uncontrolled behavior. We argued about everything. My conduct, my friends, and the hours I kept. You know that your father set up curfew rules. He expects you to be home on time, and so do I. You expect me to care about that curfew? I certainly do. Well, I don't. Young man, in this house we have rules, and one of them is to be in by a certain time each night. I'll tell you what you can do with those rules. When my outburst became profane, my poor mother passed out on the floor. That's a memory I'll live with the rest of my life. Those days, however, all I cared about was me, running around and drinking with my friends. I was a goof off at school and barely got by because I didn't apply myself. But I excelled at sports, playing football, baseball, and basketball. When I was a senior, we were out of town watching the high school playoff championships. Tim, that big guy in the red sweater is offering us $20 each if we walk up the catwalk and across to the other side of the gym. While the game is going on? Yeah. $20? Why? Who cares? I don't know about you, but I can always use $20. With this crowd, somebody's bound to notice. That's the idea, dude. <laughs> sure, tell them we're on. But let's get the cash up front in case they throw us out. As 16,000 people watched, we crossed to the other side. When we got there, policemen and security guards were waiting. They threw us out, but we snuck back in. The coach kicked two of us seniors off the team, and there was no way to sneak back in from that expulsion. I don't see your name mentioned in the story about the basketball game. Well, I'm not on the team anymore. Why not? A little disagreement, that's all. The school and I agreed to disagree. Son, did you read about the two young men who were killed in an accident? I didn't have to read it. I heard about it from some of the guys. Did you know the two that were killed? Sure. Uh, paper says it was a one-car accident. It says the car left the road on a turn and crashed into a tree. And I don't understand how there could be a one-car accident. The driver was probably drinking. Did you hear anything about that, Tim? They might have had a few drinks. I hope you see that as a warning. Well, you know, accidents happen. There is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. I was also kicked out of school, but later reinstated. I won numerous trophies, ribbons, and plaques in sports during my high school years. That year, as a senior, I set two records in track for the long jump and the high hurdles. A four-letter man with my name in the papers, no one was more impressed with my athletic accomplishments than I was. Did you see my picture in the paper today? Yes, I did. Cool, huh? Does it glorify the Lord? Not everything does, Dad. For ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Most parents would be proud of their son's success in sports. Son, there's nothing wrong with sports unless it comes between you and God. Who says it does? You are not living for the Lord, and you know it, Tim. Who can live up to your expectations? 
You and Mom are too narrow, that's all. Too many rules. Rules protect you. They keep you out of trouble. So you break them at your peril. I'm doing all right. The Bible says you reap what you sow. I can take care of myself, Dad. Now I hear about your fighting and drinking. You make excuses for not going to church with us. You're missing the mark, Tim. And that's just another definition of sin. I knew deep inside that he was right. But my will was defiant and hard. I wanted to live life my way. Conflict with my parents led me to move out and get an apartment in town. I graduated, got a job, and enrolled in junior college to study computer programming. Then came the accident, and I was in the hospital a week with knee and leg injuries. Afterward, we went to see my car. Will you look at that? Completely demolished. We were lucky to walk away from that, Tim. We could have been killed. I'm not walking very well yet. You will. Come on, let's go get a beer. Might help my attitude. You can buy another car, buddy. With what? Life is a bummer, you know that? A real bummer. I worked nights and was fired for sleeping on the job. But I found another job with the LNN Railroad Bridge Gang. I was an angry, driven young man whose conduct had brought shame to my family's name. I had no idea where my life was going. Folks, we'll get back to Tim's story in just a moment. But first, I want to share a bit about how our ministry is able to bring hope to people all over the world. Unshackled is now in its 71st year of spreading the good news through powerful stories about real people. Our success is a result of God's blessing and the involvement of, well, supporters like you. When you contribute to Unshackled, it has a direct impact. Your support allows us to hire quality writers, talented actors, as you can hear, a skilled production team, and a devoted staff. Through your support, we're able to share Unshackled worldwide. So, in order to continue the work of spreading the gospel and allowing us to offer this program for free, won't you consider making a donation to Unshackled? It's really quite easy. All you need to do is click on the live link, if there's one where you're listening, or visit our podcast website at unshackledpodcast.org. That's unshackledpodcast.org, and then click the donate button. Or you can always write a check, Unshackled, we take checks. You mail that check to... 1458 South Canal Street, Chicago, Illinois, 60607. We thank you for your partnership in our ministry. And now, let's get back to Tim's story. Those were turbulent days for young people in America. 1968 saw demonstrations against the war in Vietnam, rampant drug use, and even more rampant disillusionment. Walking down the street one day, I saw a picture of a sharp-looking young Marine. The caption read, The Marines are looking for a few good men. I don't know who the rest of them are, but I'm one. I joined the Marines in December 1969 and within a few weeks stepped off the bus at Paris Island onto yellow footprints that led me into a totally new world. I arrived thinking I was already a Marine. My drill instructor knew better. Don't let that uniform fool you! Clothes do not make you a Marine! The only thing that will make you a Marine is the next 13 weeks! 
You are now a maggot! I am your whole family! I am your father, your mother, and the only person in this world that matters! You will always address me as sir! But you won't stop there! You will address anything that grows on this island as sir! Unless it's another recruit! A maggot does not have to say sir to a maggot! Do what you're told, when you're told, and you might come out of this a marine! Discipline and authority, both of which I hated, that was the Marine Corps. Within 24 hours, I knew that I didn't like my DI, and he didn't like me. During a training exercise, he caught me and four other Marines smoking in the woods. Well, this is a lovely picnic scene. Five maggots sitting under the trees enjoying a smoke. Did anyone tell you to take a break? Did anybody say this training program is finished? What you need is to be motivated. Yes, indeed. Better motivated. So, tomorrow you will be fully engaged in a program of one-day motivation! One-day motivation. We left the barracks at 5 a.m. with full field pack and weapons and went on a 10-mile excursion. Steep. Wait till we get to the next one. What you are looking at is a sewage pit, but that's what maggots love. It isn't deep. The water and sewage won't come any higher than your waist. Keep your head down as you walk through the pit. You'll know why right away. Go on, move. Keep your heads down. After attending a couple of motivations, I saw that the DI and my superiors had the upper hand. My attitude improved. For the first time in a long time, I wanted to be something. I wanted to be a Marine and worked hard in my training classes and field exercises. During this time, I met Lee Gore. He was a quiet Christian who openly read his Bible. Listen to this. For Christ also has once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit. I've heard that verse. You've been to church then? A few times. You ever read the Bible, Tim? When I was younger. My dad had devotions every day. No kidding. You're from a Christian home then? Yes. I haven't told anybody here, Lee, but my dad's a preacher. That's fantastic. I didn't think so growing up. Life was nothing but rules, and I couldn't wait to get away. So what do I do? Join the Marine Corps, where life is nothing but rules. They tell you when to get up, when to go to bed, how to cut your hair, what to do. <laughs> Still, all that training at home helped you here. <laughs> That's true. Tim, I've heard you use words I wouldn't expect from a Christian. Are you saved? I went to the altar when I was 10, but I'm not living it. You can even in the core. Maybe you can, but I can't. I've seen too much of the world. Jesus said, no man can serve two masters. Right now, the Marine Corps is my master. You can live for Jesus even here. He expects us to be faithful to him no matter what the circumstances are. 
Gore was soft-spoken and very polite, the kind of man who was everybody's friend. He openly read his Bible and prayed with the men, and they respected him for that. One day, a package came from Mother, a Bible. I read the inscription she wrote. Have I not commanded thee, be strong and of a good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest. Thou shalt not follow a multitude to do evil, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. The word spoke to my heart, but no one saw the Bible because I hid it in my footlocker. Tim Lee would do no preaching, Bible reading, or Christian campaigning as a Marine. Lee Gore could do all that. Of 66 men who finished basic training, I was one of two who received a meritorious promotion, and we moved on to ITR training at Camp Lejeune. Hey, Tim, why don't you go to chapel with me this morning? I went last week, remember? The Lord will be glad to see you again. Can't, Lee. I need to work on some class material. Don't make the Corps into a god, Tim. Actually, I'm thinking about making it a career. Nothing wrong with that. But don't forget about Jesus. <laughs> How could I with you around to remind me? You have to admit, Jesus epitomizes our motto. Semper Fi. Always faithful. Upon completion of ITR school, I received a second meritorious promotion. I also received my orders to Vietnam. But first I had three weeks leave that I wanted to spend at home. I had a new appreciation and love for my parents. I think the Marine Corps has been good for you, Tim. I agree. I won't argue with you. <laughs> That's what I mean. You don't argue with us. The Marine Corps is tough. Almost a third of the guys in my class washed out. I'm glad you stuck it out, son. We're proud of you. I was really grateful that you and Mom disciplined me over the years. That discipline made me tough, and it made all the difference. The Marines teach more than how to fight, then. Oh, yeah. They've taught me a lot about life, growing up and taking responsibility. Did you get the Bible I sent? Sure did, Mom. Thanks. It's in my footlocker. Going with me to Nam. Well, I sure hope you have time to read it. I'm sure I will. And I hope you're going to church with us while you're home. Of course, Dad. I had good visits with family and friends and even with high school teachers and coaches. I was feeling much better about my life. Dad and I had some long talks and the three weeks passed quickly. My last Sunday came and I went to church with them. Jesus said, For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. And whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. For what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Jesus gave his lifeblood to sanctify you, to cleanse you of your sins and to give you eternity in heaven. All he asks in return is that you take up your cross daily and follow him. You can begin that journey of obedience now. Trying to make things right with the church and with the Lord, I went to the altar and prayed, asking God to forgive me. 
Mom and Dad were pleased. But in my heart, some rebellion still lingered. While I wanted to do right and please the Lord, I still had a strong desire to live life for myself, apart from God's will. The battle raged in my heart as my parents drove me to the airport in St. Louis the next day. Remember all the trips we took when you were a kid, Tim? Sure. Yellowstone, <laughs> the Black Hills. Disneyland. Mm, those were great times. In a way, this is just another trip. A long one to a strange land. A year. Sure is a long time not to see you. I'll write. And we'll write, too. I'll miss having Christmas with the family. If you need anything, Tim, let us know, and we'll send it to you. Sure. You have my APO address. We'll be praying for you, son. That you'll come home safely. Don't be concerned, Mom. No one in our hometown has ever been even wounded in Vietnam. It is a war. But God will be with you. As we said our goodbyes at the airport, Mom and Dad were in high hopes that this time would be different. This time I would live for God. But the plane had barely left the runway when I cried silently to God. I can't do it, Lord. I can't live for you in Vietnam. Those men are Marines. They would laugh at me, ridicule me for such a radical change in behavior. I have to be strong for them. Let the chaplain and Lee Gore do it. Someday I'll live for you. I promise. But not yet. Next week, we'll hear the conclusion of Tim Lee's testimony. Jesus said in John chapter 5, verse 24, He that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. That life is for you, listening friend. Just ask God to forgive you and save you, because Jesus Christ died for your sins. If you need help in making this crucial decision, call 1-888-NEED-HIM. Or get in touch with Pacific Garden Mission, 1458 South Canal Street, Chicago, Illinois, 60607. Now, we love hearing from our listeners here on the Unshackled Audio Drama Podcast, so send us your questions and we'll answer them here. It can be something you're curious about or just something you want to share with us. All you have to do is write us at podcast at unshackled.org or call and leave us a message at 312-281-1264. We'd love to hear from you. Now, before we get to our sweepstakes drawing info, I just want to remind you to subscribe or like our Unshackled Audio Drama Podcast. You can even share it or tell a friend. We'd also love for you to review or rate our podcast, and don't forget to check out our other podcasts on this same platform, Unshackled Daily Devotionals and Unshackled In Person. We appreciate your input and involvement in our ministry. And again, please consider supporting us so we can freely offer quality Christian programming to the world. The winner of the sweepstakes for this beautiful scripture plaque will be announced on our social media and right here on this podcast in one week. Keep an eye out because the following sweepstakes drawing will begin immediately after that. 
This will be your next opportunity to enter and potentially win one of these beautiful reminders of God's Word. And next time... Long flight? Yeah. You have a good time on leave with your family? Yeah, I did. Were you a jock in high school, Tim? Mm, I guess you could say that. An athlete in high school, Tim Lee was also running from God. I can't do it, God. I can't live for you. The young man in this story was a Marine sent to Vietnam in June 1969. There's the coastline of Vietnam. Look, on the horizon, incoming rounds exploding. People are dying down there. There he endured horrendous wounds. Move, move! Sergeant's still alive. He stepped on a landmine. This is the pits, man. Yeah, it is. What kind of life is it when you can't do anything for yourself? Pretty soon there won't be anything left of my legs. What path will he take? I want to get up and run around like I've always done. I don't like being helpless. Don't miss the conclusion of his dramatic two-part testimony from the classic files of Unshackled. Heard in the classic true story of Tim Lee, part one, were Marcy Mencotti, Jeff Parker, Tom Geich, Lisa Keefe, Michael Martin, and Demetrius Troy. Original music, Don Badorf. Sound effects, Demetrius Troy. Sound assistant, Holly Krajewski. Recording engineer, David Pierczynski. Audio engineer, Michael Kahn. Script, Kenitha Gabler and Jack O'Dell. That's it for this week's Unshackled Audio Drama Podcast. So until next time, unless our Lord returns before then, I'm Timothy Gregory, your brother in Christ.